guys! Alright, we are back. Welcome back to a tale of two rivals. Plus one. I am your host, Todd, at FF underscore Banterman Foster. Unfortunately joined by... FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter, Dave Wright. Love the Goonies to start. I am pumped up. Underrated movie. I think I'm going to have to watch it this weekend. And fortunately joined by... And I'm Sean Kennedy at FF underscore Walrus. And I'm loving the Goonies riff too. And does really, as a further comp, it seemed like Dave is our data. Right? It uh, just lines up. Uh, without a doubt. He's got without all the gadgets. He's He's got all the stats tucked into his big trench coat somewhere. Yeah. And he's just ripping them out. Yeah. Guys, I just want to let you know my truffle shuffle is on freaking point, dude. On point. But, um, Sean, I just want to really thank you for coming on to the show because it's really nice to have somebody I like to talk to on here. It's a good time, man. It's a really good time. Um, Dave's been kind of a dick to me lately, so I'm, like, really happy that you're uh, you're with us today, you know? So and, um, you know, I'm always happy to referee. Todd's a little salty that I gave him a little bit of uh, a little spice in his little and a little sizzle last episode. So yeah, uh, Todd, relax a bit. We're all friends here. We're... Yeah, well, it's not much of a rivalry when you just keep winning. Ah, good stuff. All right, so enough small talk. Let's get into this. All right, part two, 2020 draft wide receiver breakdowns. We're gonna go from round two and round three wide receivers. Anybody past wide three, we would consider a sweeper. We might throw a few sweepers out if we have time, but for the most part, we're going to break down all the picks in order from round two to round three in the wide receiver position. So, first wide receiver off the board in round two was my boy, pick 33, T. Higgins, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Sean, give me your thoughts on T. Higgins. I think it's great. Um, love Higgins. Size, speed, catchability is all fantastic. I still can't believe that Ayuk went before him to rehash last episode. But the Bengals here is an awesome landing spot. I mean, the Bengals last year were terrible. We all know that. But despite that, they did kind of show some flashes. You know, their offense under Zach Taylor came out and really committed to airing the ball out, running his system, despite the lack of personnel to really effectively do it. They were top 10 in plays run they were top 10 in pass play percentages they obviously spent the all-in 101 on joe burrow to bring him in and let him do his thing and just i think the sky's the limit for higgins there you know green is back whether or not he can stay healthy this year i think is irrelevant because he's blowing town after this they've already realized that john ross is as terrible as the rest of us realize him to be and are decommitting to him after this year which just really leaves Tyler Boyd and a cast of guess who characters behind him. And I don't think Boyd is a locked and loaded set in concrete alpha the way that T Higgins can kind of come in and be in this offense. Yeah, I agree. Dave thoughts. Yeah. I'm continually flip-flopping between Higgins and rugs. My heart wants to go Higgins. My brain wants to go rugs. Right now, Higgins is ahead of him. Tomorrow, who knows? And the thing is, part of it, I, I've gotten so contrarian, I feel like I'm being contrarian with myself here with Ruggs and Higgins, so I don't even know what the heck that means. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, Higgins is my 201, in the, or he went 201 in the real NFL draft, and that said a lot, of me, a lot to me how the Bengals value him. Uh, a lot of analysts say that that 201 has, when you start day two of the NFL draft, it has extra uh, value. 
you know, coming into that day, every all the teams have an extra day to to, to stew on that pick, and the, and with the Bengals going with Higgins, that says a lot to me. And when I look at Higgins as a prospect, I I love it. Age nineteen, breakout age, in a very competitive program at Clemson, uh, slightly below average market share numbers, but I can explain that away. And, and just to show Todd that I'm not uh, just blind to actual circumstances and all that stuff. Uh, Clemson was extremely dominant in the regular season. They dominated the ACC. They dominated all their competition. And the way they used uh, Higgins at times, they really protected his health. When they got ahead by a sniffing amount, they just didn't play him. They only pl- And when they played him in close games, his stats were through the roof. So I think that's why a lot of anecdotal people might be missing some stuff on Higgins. Uh, and, but not me, Todd. Not me. I, 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 I've grown. <laughs> I've grown. Uh, it's because he uh, got all those analytics in that trench coat. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, our exactly. daddy. Uh, so yeah, man. I got everything in this in these pockets. So we, we've had efficient. a lot of arguments over T. Higgins on this show, a lot. Yeah, and, so and we're not that far apart, which is the funny part. Uh, he, he's got a phenomenal. So yes, low market share and not exciting market share numbers, but he's got great scrimmage yards, scrimmage touchdown numbers. Very efficient from errors per uh, reception point of view. Uh, slightly above average from uh, scrimmage yards per team play. Uh, and he meets the requirements of athleticism standpoint. A lot of people dinged him for his 40 time out at the Clemson Pro Day. Uh, when you adjust that for speed or adjust that for his size and height, it wasn't that bad of a score. That you know, It was a, a solid requisite for an NFL uh, caliber and a successful NFL wide receiver. I like me some Teagans. The only drawbacks is why he isn't higher for me and why he doesn't really separate from Ruggs is. I don't like Zach Taylor. I was very uninspired by Zach Taylor. He didn't use Joe Mixon out of the backfield because that's Joe Mixon's real strength as a receiver. Didn't do that. Uh, very run-oriented. Uh, I just didn't... I'm not impressed with Zach Taylor, and I'm not really thrilled about the Bengals organization as a whole. There's nothing inspiring about that ownership group that makes me excited. So there's a little, t- a little turmoil there with the Bengals. That's pretty much what my big point was. 2020 is a tough gauge, but I love this spot for the long term. I'm also with Dave. Um, Zach Taylor is less than inspiring. Some of his quotes are just painful to read. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I've been loving Higgins. I think that his size, his athleticism, the, the fact that this guy has the ability to catch, has that high point catchability kind of like ability to fight off defensive backs, I think it's going to translate really well into the NFL. That's a good thing with Rager, like, that was a knock for me on him. It's like, he was very used to double and triple teams, but there's a big difference once you make that leap into NFL DBs. I think that Higgins is not going to be somebody to give you Billy because he's just a mammoth human, you know? So the athleticism there, the production was there in Clemson, the athleticism I really like. I love the landing spot. This room must have been losing their mind. Well, excuse me, rooms. Like the GM's living room must have been losing their minds <laughs> when they realized that he was there. So, like, I mean, this was a dream come true of a landing spot for the Bengals. And he pairs with Burrow. You know, you got Boyd and Green there right now. They've already came out and said they're not picking up Ross's option. So that's pretty interesting to hear already. Um, I think that he has the perfect kind of profile to translate well into the NFL. There's just a few guys I like more than him, you know? So that's, I mean, it. the fact that I have him six more speaks to how deep this class is, you know? Todd, you bring up a great point that I want to say about his play style. A lot of people in fantasy football have gotten off on a tangent about how players who are really good in contested catch situation is a negative. They use it against uh, Nikhil Harry. They said, oh, he didn't really separate much so in college. So dumb. Yes, I'm so sorry. So dumb. Yes, 
it is production 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 is production if you produce you produce and i'm t higgins is a good player and that kind of price style still wins today's nfl and i don't care what your separation metrics tell you until you show me some kind of study that shows me that translates and that has any significance get the heck out of here i don't care about separation you catch the ball you catch the ball does deandre hopkins have a lot of separation i don't think so i think he's very skillful at running routes using his body his position and has very solid hands t higgins is i'm not saying he's deandre hopkins but he has great that same kind of play style and he can just get out of here about your obsession with separation separation is overrated get out of here strengthen the argument more right if you yes. can catch the ball in a less than ideal situation, that's a pro. That's a pro. Sign me up. That's the guy I want. I don't want somebody who needs 10 feet of space to be able to make the reception. Yeah. That's the thing, too, is like, oh, great, you can separate in college. My point is, if you've shown that you can catch the ball in a contested situation, you're going to be more contested in, in, in the NFL. So show me that you can do it. That was actually one of my worries about Ruggs, is the fact that the majority of film I watch of him, he's wide freaking open, you know? Like, like, I haven't got to see him really go up against anybody, you know? So, like, Higgins, like, he just knows how to use his body. He's super strong. And he's just very aggressive in the way that he plays that position. I love it. He was my wide receiver six. Sean, where'd you have him for your spot? He, too, was my six. Um, I really kind of wrestled on him and Ruggs at five. But I did, too. I, I, I had to tip the cap to Ruggs kind of begrudgingly just because of the draft capital. And I'm I'm still high on that landing spot, despite what you guys say. And, Dave, you have Higgins five? I have him at five. Yeah, so it's him and Ruggs right now. He's five. Who knows what happens tomorrow? But, yeah, it's, it's a real Ruggs five, six with Higgins. I think we need to re-release our, our first episode so that people can hear what you said about those two. Just saying. But anyways. Yeah. Um, I mean, Todd, I'm a process-oriented guy. When I get more information, I make... I changed. Okay, so next up, round two, pick 34. We have Michael Pittman Jr. to the Colts. Um, I'm going to start us off with this one. Um, I would consider this my Wiley Coyote landing spot. Um, it just seems so inviting, like you just finally caught a good like situation, but it's probably going to blow up in your face. So... He's a big possession wide receiver. He had a late breakout. He didn't really do a lot outside of those outside of that one year at USC, which does worry me a little bit. He's got the pedigree, which I really liked. But for me, I also kind of feel like there's a lot of guys in the same level of him in Indy in Indy. So I'm not in love with it. I could also see them bringing up another wide receiver possibly next year. So yeah, I mean, he's not a guy that I'm investing a ton in right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's a good throw in, like, the middle of the second round. But I don't think it's a sure thing. I could see this as definitely being something that blows up in my face if I were to take him. Uh, Dave, why don't you go ahead and talk about Pittman? The, pit, the thing with Pittman with me is, is I, I feel like he's Sean's guy. I remember Sean being really high on him. I understand why people really like Pittman. For me, he doesn't. I like him. He just doesn't... I'm not excited about Pittman. He didn't break out until the age 21 season. And, you know, he wasn't dominant until his t- final two seasons at USC. Great draft at Capital, so that gets me excited. And he has a good initial landing spot with Phil Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Phil Rivers likes... I feel like Pittman has a kind of similar play style to Mike Williams. So I can understand how Phil Rivers would like to throw the ball up and Michael Pittman can go get it. 
Uh, long-term QB situation, I'm not thrilled about. Jacob Eason is not the answer for me. Uh, I Hopefully that sorts itself out. And, you know, who knows? Projecting forward, there's plenty of free agent, uh, the way free agent is going. Who knows? But just it's in the back of my mind. Also, slightly below average market share numbers. Average scrimmage numbers, just because he didn't it didn't really produce until his final two seasons. However, great size adjusted athleticism. That's a very positive, very NFL body style type. His is uh he's a prototype wide receiver. Um average efficiency. And but but I'm, I'm I feel like I'm being too negative here. But he did contribute on special teams. I'm taking him at 204 my rookie drafts. He's my wide receiver seven overall as far as rookies are concerned. And like I, I'll say it again. I understand why people are excited about him. Just other players I like more. That's that's it. Sean, is Pittman your boy? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say my boy in capital letters because there's some people I like more, but I'm definitely a lot higher on Pittman than you guys are. You know, I think I hear Dave with the analytics and, you know, his percentile scores are kind of coming in a lot lower than some other guys and lower than you'd like to see, but I'm not as much of a horde of those numbers as Dave is. Whoa, whoa, Sean, this is a family program. <laughs> I love it. Keep family it Family program, we spent a lot of time talking about Nick Foles' anatomy at one point. And that's very important for people to understand how babies are made. <laughs> is that a metric that we're measuring? <laughs> What percentile does he fall in, Dave? I don't, I just, to I don't want to crash this, this podcast by pulling up the database. But anyway, continue <laughs> about your Michael Pittman love. So I think, you know, Pittman, he's a big body receiver. He's pretty sure-handed. And there's a lot of opportunity to be had here. It doesn't look as sexy on paper as I think it actually is. Zach Pascal really showed up out of nowhere, like literally off the streets last year, and was fantastic because nobody else there was even really worth mentioning. T.Y. Hilton couldn't get on the field and was pretty pedestrian by his own standards. Paris Campbell had an absolute train wreck of a rookie season that was marred by injuries and inefficiencies. And Dave, you reference it all the time, the numbers for a rookie to come back after a terrible freshman campaign are just so far against them that calling it uphill would be generous. It's great ladies, but... And, and- we well, forgot to say, I, I just traded for uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas in our league, guys. Oh, I did it. I did goodness. It. You traded for Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Uh, I'm sorry. Man, you can't stay away from that little part. Man, you must really like Man of the House, dude. Solid flick. Uh- <laughs> How did you not go to Home Improvement as your number one Jonathan Taylor Thomas reference? Be- because it's an unbelievably underrated movie, bro. All right? No. Chevy if Chase, going, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's comedic. Comedy movie. No. No, no. It's comedic genius. Go watch it and tell me I'm wrong. No way. The one with the kid from Peterborough and Tim Allen, where he gets him out of the, like, the Venezuelan jungle, is far better. Oh, Jungle to Jungle? Jungle to Jungle. Oh, no. phenomenal. No. Much phenomenal. better than no. Bias. New Hampshire bias. Awful. Awful. First of all, we can, nobody from New Hampshire is biased about anything having to do with New Hampshire. Most uh, people I from don't New know. Hampshire live for your You just quoted Peterborough. Yeah, because uh, I don't know that kid's name. We are uh, off the but rails. But you got it. You understood the, the reference. So I'm going to stand by it. Anyway, Michael right. Pittman steps into a huge role. I think Philip Rivers behind this line is not going to be the 2019 Rivers that we all grew to hate. I think he's really going to come in. He's going to flash back to that 2017-2018 form where he's got that high passer rating. He's efficient. He's not throwing 10 million interceptions. and His kids are depending on him. Yeah, right. He's going to have 15 kids by the time this season's done with. He's got mouths to feed. He's got to play. I think Pittman can really come in and be a huge red zone threat for a team that doesn't really have one right now. And 
Hilton is injured all the time. He's also out the door after this year. Paris Campbell might not be able to recover. Zach Pascal, who knows? There's no draft capital locked up into him. They don't really owe him anything. They can keep him around as just a kick guy, do whatever they want with him. I think Pittman can do anything in the next two years. Maybe they bring somebody in to replace him and you kind of have a short-lived Faustian agreement with him. But he could be a real difference maker this year. Uh, I don't think so, Tim. Speaking of ladies of the evening, way to just toss out Zach Pascal if he's nothing. Right! I like Zach Pascal. I do. UDFAs matter. Hashtag it. Peter Howard, my boy. They can matter. I'm just saying, he was, if you're the only game in town, you look like you matter. But you're still replaceable. Literally, you're saying everybody has a question mark, including Pittman. That's my point. I'm saying, like, yeah, there's an opportunity there, but there also might not be an opportunity there. You know? So, like... No, I'm saying there is an opportunity there. But I'm also saying that, like, a lot of those other guys are still guys that have done something that can be able to still be commanding targets, you know? And, like, to me, like, I don't really think that Pittman's really shown a ton at the college level to be able to warrant that kind of high praise and him immediately coming in and be able to assert himself. I'm going to counter that by saying Pascal showed so much less that he was a UDFA and he only produced in a void. But the only thing... Well, that's fine, but in that void he produced, and now he's earned an opportunity erroneous, to continue to erroneous, hold. Gr- erroneous, great college prospect, just didn't get the love for the NFL. So, Sean, where are you, where are you putting Pittman there? Pittman, for me, checked in at seven. So, I know I'm throwing a lot of salt at Pittman, but I will say that he's a good dice roll, and I had him at eight. Oh, so. Well, there's not really like well, at like this point. the tires then, Todd. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Like, I, I personally think people are hyping him up as if, like, well, the way you're just talking about him to me is, like, that's putting him, like, much higher than seven. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's the narrative that people are using with Pittman. And I'm just not buying it as much. I'm saying, like, it's a good risk pick in the middle of a second round. Because, I mean, he's a big wide receiver and there might be an opportunity there, but there might not be. That's pretty much the gist of it. All right, so then let me sum up why he's at seven for me then. He's not as exciting as any of the guys that I have above him, but I think his landing spot is fantastic for somebody who's not as talented as the other ones to come in and command attention. That's fair. That's fair. Todd, Todd, Sean, this is typical Sean here. I'm Flashbacks to my Christian Kirk negotiation, trade negotiation with him. He gets me all excited about Michael Pittman. He's really talking him up. And then he's wide receiver seven? What? I'm wide receiver seven on Michael Pittman. What the heck? Oh, <laughs> uh, Dave, there is no typical Sean. That's the fun of it. Yeah. Dave, are you excited to have the number three wide receiver for uh, the Cardinals? Uh, ooh. All right. <laughs> triggered. Hashtag triggered. Yeah. All right. Next. <laughs> Todd, you mispronounced fourth pass catcher. Oh, sorry. I apologize. Yeah. I, yeah, you should trade for Drake, man. He's going to probably get more targets. Um, all right, next up, we had round two, pick 42. Uh, <laughs> Navishka Sanalt, Jr., and he went to the Jaguars. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on Chenault? Navishka Chenault's an intriguing player. He had an age 18 breakout age, but it was really in a low-volume offense, very touchdown-dependent in that breakout age. Um, he's built like a running back, uh, his size 
dealt a lot of injuries. We've all, I mean, everyone's heard the stories. Pretty great landing spot of DJ Chark, Visca Chenault together. That's a great tandem for wide receiver. There's some good ancillary pieces there too as well. Uh, there, And it's in a situation too where even if you don't like the QB situation in Gardner Minshew, they don't have to, they can move on and they can draft a high wide receiver next year. So even if, 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 Mark, if Minshew works out, awesome for Chenault. If he doesn't, they can invest high next year with a, a good crop, crop of wide receivers. So I like LaVisca Chenault. I'm just not as high on him as other people. The injuries worry me. I'm not I'm not saying he's injury prone. Just I just he, I, I'm probably gonna be lower than a lot of people. A lot of smart people are high on him. That makes me feel very inadequate. Um yeah, that's LaVisca Chenault for me in a nutshell. Sean, Chenault. Yeah, uh, I think the the landing spot's pretty tantalizing. You know, the Jags, obviously, DJ Char came on strong last year. D.D. Westbrook's still there, who teases at times, but never really seems to follow through all the way. Chris Conley is serviceable. But those two are gone after next year. So I think if Chanel can stay healthy, there's a lot of opportunity. It just seems like he's a guy that perpetually has an asterisk next to its name. Like, oh, he's good, but asterisk for the college production that he did have. He's good, asterisk for the injuries that he's sustained. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of staying away from a little bit of that, but I think he could be a great late score. And I think the reason is, is, you know, Dave's talking about the QB situation, reason to be hesitant there. But I think it shouldn't be scaring people as off as much as it is. Because I think Minshew showed last year that he's really got this kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick... Jameis Winston, Ben Roethlisberger edge to his game where he's not necessarily accurate. He's not the best read guy, but he's just going to keep hucking the ball. And they're going to play a lot of games from behind in what kind of became a semi-competitive division this offseason. So I think on a smaller scale, he can work for these receivers in a similar way that Winston did for Evans and Godwin last wow. year, where just their volume becomes staggering because they're playing so many games from behind mostly on the back of the mistakes from the quarterback but it doesn't change the fact that they need to get in there and start hucking the ball and i think chanel can really fight his way in if he's healthy and be the second receiver there great value in the second round of drafts though this is this is the the great part of this draft when you're in the mid second round here and you're taking chanel or some of you might be really high on him and take him the first round by whatever but this is this is the fun part of this class here is that you get this kind of depth of this position in the rookie drafts. Yeah. You know what I gotta say to that, boys? Give me the dice, baby. Daddy's feeling lucky. All right. <laughs> Ooh. Remember, this was a guy that at one point in Debbie rankings was considered the top wide receiver in this class before the injuries. All right. So this is the definition of a boom bust pick right here. But I'm loving taking the chance on this. This is kind of like kind of like Sean's Pittman's narrative. But I just like this player much, much, much more. The one knock is the injuries. And in the second round, I'm willing to roll the dice there and take a guy that I think that can be special if he can stay healthy. Chark was great last year. There's no denying that. But to me, those targets are still not well established in that offense. There's so much room for opportunity. I could see him definitely be the wide receiver two easily in this. I Wide receiver two in that offense easily. I could see him being the wide receiver one too. All right? I look at this guy and I see Antoine Bolden all day. Wow. Wow. Okay. All this day. Is good. 
Oh, All cliche day. city. Cliche city. What are you talking about cliche city? He's a, <laughs> everyone, come on. He, everyone who a, looks like Chanel oh, automatically Aquan Bolden. Well, he's a he's a, he's an incredibly big wide receiver. He's incredibly strong. He's a special player after the catch that will either run over you or around you. He can play. He can dominate over the middle of the field. He can play to the outside as well, and you could use him in up behind the behind the line as a runner. He that's literally what Bolden did. I will say, Todd, he has the, according to PFF, he has the highest success rate against man coverage, which is a very predominant in today's NFL. So that is a amongst the rookie class. So that is a very plus thing for Lish. Yeah, Chenault. So I, I'm not going to be all negative here. I just yeah. I mean he, he he's my seven. I mean it's a deep class and like you know I'm not going to put him over Higgins obviously, but like Chenault's my seven all day. Where do you have him, Dave? He's my ten. So Terrible. I'm a, I'm a Terrible. lot lower than you. He's my, I take him at two two oh seven in rookie drafts. I'm not going to get him. It's it's okay. I understand. It's just I there's other players I like over him. Yep, Sean. What do you have, Sonal? Yeah, he was my eight. Um, you know, if he if he slid mid second, I'd start getting pretty interested. Yep, but not before that. Yeah, he was a guy I was really excited for for two oh five before I end up with Kenny Galladay. But what are you gonna do, man? What are you gonna do? All right. So next we have second round pick forty six. KJ Hamler went to Denver. Uh, Sean, why don't we hear what you have to say about this first? Uh, you know, Hamler was a guy who was pretty interesting coming out, but with this landing spot, I don't think I'm very interested in him. Um, he's good talent. You know, you can't, you can't get him down for that. He's quick. He's speedy, but I think, you know, right now he's probably projecting to be the sixth at best pass catcher on that team. If you're talking Sutton as the one, Judy is the two, Gordon is the three, Fan is the four. And then you got probably Lindsay as the five, and now you're looking at Hamler all the way down at six, provided he beats out Deshaun Hamilton, which shouldn't be too hard. I'm, I, don't know, eh, I don't know. That's not enough to get me interested. You know, there's for this offense to sustain that many people is unheard of. Does uh, Hamler move the needle for you, Dave? Oh man! Oh man! I was so I was very high on Hamler coming in. This is great draft capital. I mean, he had a day, uh, uh, a second round pick, high second round pick. I really like Hamler as a player. However, that landing great pick for the Broncos, but his his landing spot overall is uninspiring because, like Sean said, he's a lot of target competition. Um, it really is an exciting Dolphin. I think there was a, a he's going to be a steal in drafts because he's falling very far. Um, a little interesting fact he dealt with a lot of injuries in high school and college uh, he didn't play football for two years uh, so then that's why he had an age 19 breakout season because that's when he got back onto the field for Penn State average market share numbers but he's great from a scrimmage uh, touchdown and yardage numbers amazingly efficient in college from a year, just amazingly efficient and the only thing is that his size is eh, okay BMI but his size and play style People complain about his drops and and that he doesn't do well in contested catch situations, which I understand. Uh, I I really was disheartening to see him go behind Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, even Noah Fant, and then Melvin Gordon's going to take touches or catches away. But he's going in the mid to late third round in rookie drafts, and I have him at three hundred three as my wide receiver twelve. That's a guy that I'm getting in a lot of places, a lot of places because he's he is a great player. It's just. It might maybe not for fancy purposes. 
Yeah, um, I'm not too high on him either. I wasn't really too high on him uh, pre-draft either. And really the only thing about it was pre-draft, like, I think he's a good player. I just really couldn't figure out, he's a speedy, elusive guy. I couldn't figure out, like, what his ceiling was or, like, what his floor really was. Like, he was a tough guy to, like, peg. Now that he's, like, buried on a depth chart and the wide receiver three at best, he's he's easily just, a, like, a third rounder to me. If you're getting him in the early third round, you might be landing some major value. I'm not looking him in the second, particularly in super flex. Um, he was actually available. I had the um, the 307 in a super flex draft what? recently. What? Yep. I, I, I took Jacob Eason. I just vomited in my mouth when you said that, Todd. That's fine. Uh, very good football player with speed. Yeah. He's track his like there was a thing that came out that Sean and I talked about in our article that we wrote about him. His speed with his player tracking GPS speed was like Tyreek esque. He is that fast. He is that much of a game breaker. What he does for that offense is amazing. Fantasy wise, I get what you're saying, Todd. Just it's just this. What this is the problem. If Drew Lock does not succeed in this situation, GTFO. GTFO. That's no, I saying. agree. But here's my point. Now you're going to get upset with me. You're going to get Easton over him. It's the middle of the third round, and he has an opportunity to have the starting job in a pretty damn good offense and within a year, you know, maybe two. And to me, it's like in the middle of the third, like my return on Hamler versus Easton potentially is pretty easy for me in a super flex pick for that uh, one. I understand. I will say, Todd, yeah. KJ Hamler and best ball, best ball dynasty. Oh, best attractive. ball. Great. Very ben. attractive. I like that. He's a, he's a big best ball guy. You know, he's the Ted King of that team. I like it. Um, Sean, where'd you have Hamler on your rankings? Oh, God. Way in the basement. Um, 17. Oh. Oh, that, Sean, that hit me right. That, that hurt. That hurt. It, it hurt a little bit to do. I was really hoping he was going to go somewhere. You know, I didn't expect him to go to a juicy landing spot, but maybe something like the Chargers, something that's a little more interesting. Sean, now you're just teasing me. Talk about the Chargers. So, 17. Brian, Brian Edward to the Chargers? 17. Who do you I I, I had to add Rose. Um, we're already talking about 15 guys. Um, that's amazing. So, uh, Dave, where'd you have Hamler? I am a, I mentioned it. Wise over 12, beginning of the third round. I like him. There, he, some, so, you know, so let some, me get this straight. You're freaking out over me taking Eason over the wide receiver 12. No. Well, the thing is, is so, Todd, now we want to get to Q. All right. So, okay. I understand. So, QBs after the first round in NFL draft have an 8% hit rate. That's all I'm going to say is that I don't. I'd re, so what I'd rather have is say if Jacob Eason even shows any promise after year one, I'll spend the extra capital it takes to acquire Jacob Eason, but I'm not going to waste a rookie pick. I'd rather draft a a running back or a wide receiver or even maybe a tight end. Not in this draft. I I'm joking. Screw the tight ends. Um, but I take a wide receiver, tight end, and then if Jacob Eason even shows any promise, I'll spend the extra capital it takes to acquire him. All right, fair enough. I also think in the mid-third round, there's not much capital to be spent there, but that's fine. No, I meant like next year. So say if Jacob Eason shows any promise, similar to Gardner Mishu, who went undrafted in a lot of formats, from fifth round in Superflex. I'll, I'll spend the extra capital to get Jacob e- or to get Gardner Mishu or a Jacob Eason type and ha- and take a shot on KJ Hamler just because of the profile. That's it. That's it because QBs, yeah. are, QBs are very they're very low – Probability after the first round of NFL draft. All right, I'm I'm not buying into that, and I'm not going to get into it right now either. We we have a quarterback show coming up at some point, so I'll Giddy save up. it for that one. Um, next, all right, 
Let's see. Round two, pick 49. Dave's favorite, Chase Claypool <laughs> to the Steelers. Dave, tell us about your love for Chase. So that, so Todd, I could sense the sarcasm there. Um, good job. You're getting better. No, I know. I, I work <laughs> in my social skills. I'm good. Uh, so I'm going to just quick shout. He teaches shout. it, ladies and gentlemen. I know. That's what I teach. So <laughs> my man, my man, Crescent Sorby on Twitter, uh, and the Twitter, uh, he's a host of the Monocle, uh, Monocle Dynasty podcast. We've He did a great uh, write-up on Chase Claypool recently. Uh, we talked about it extensively before he released it. Uh, he basically says everything that I want to say, and he mimics my process. So, essentially, Chase Claypool for me, late breakout age against mediocre competition at Notre Dame. Meh, market, like, meh, like, meh, 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 meh. Target, our market share numbers, not expiring at Is that all. English? No, it's not. It's just meh. <laughs> it's just like don't not inspire. Just meh. Uh, scrimmage numbers. He wasn't even efficient. And this is for a guy who is probably one of the top three athletes ever, at uh, adjusted for size since two thousand, uh, coming out of college. He's that athletic, and he's this uninspiring from a production standpoint. That does not compute. And it's not like he's going up against amazing competition at Notre Dame. Yes, Miles Boykin is a NFL backup. Uh, there's other players who are just uh, meh. <laughs> That's my 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 whole theme for Chase Club was meh. He, when you know when you're and then so you okay I understand people who like him from a field like when they saw him play and he broke out in his final season. There's a lot of things to like his size, the way he uses his size, and his final year production. I get it. I understand. However, when you compare him to other successful wide receivers in the NFL. It does not look good. There's not many people that look like Chase Claypool. People are like, oh, well, Pittsburgh drafted him. Pittsburgh's really great at drafting wide receivers. Well, according to Crescent and also what I've found is that Pitt's just, yeah, Pitt has some great high. They've, he, they've done a great at hitting. When they've hit, it's been very high. Antonio Brown, great pick. Uh, and other wide receivers, uh, Deontay Johnson could be a great pick, great value. However, they've also drafted Eli Rogers, and they've had a lot of misses as well in that range. So I don't want to hear the Pittsburgh drafting wide receivers saying, I don't like the competition he has in landing in Pittsburgh and QB comp, QB situation going forward. Ben Rosberger, as we all know, year to year. So I, just Claypool is uninspiring. I'm willing to miss on a play, player like Chase Claypool, and he could be end up being a tight end anyway. So whatever. What? It's, someone else draft him. I don't want to deal with it. Uh, before I move on to Sean, do you th- are are you uh, knocking Big Ben because you can't grow a beard yourself? <laughs> I mean, are you just are you just that upset that you can't be manly enough to to have? A are you beard? talking to me? Yeah, I am. I can grow. I can grow a decent beard. Oh no, I don't I see. I can it. grow. I can grow a very decent beard. No, I cannot. I cannot grow Ben Ben Rosper's beard. But I also have no desire to look like what Ben Rosper looks. Actually, that's probably a good comp for what yeah. I look like. Only the homeless and schizophrenics can grow Ben Roethlisberger's beard. Very patchy. Oh, um, Todd. All right. The bias. This All right. Incredible bias. An, an, enough of Dave's uh, inability with facial hair. Sean, tell us about Chase Claypool. Yeah, I mean, all you need to know is he went to Pittsburgh and they're fantastic at developing wide no, receivers. No, they're not. Right? That's <laughs> not true. That's not true. <laughs> no, um, you know, I'm, Claypool has a ton of red flags. I think he, he's got an exciting highlight reel to watch. He's just so friggin' big. And, I mean, an interesting stat, like Dave said, is, you know, his size-adjusted metrics are great. Him and Calvin Johnson are the only two receivers to be at least 6'4 and 235. Probably Calvin Johnson yard. actually produced in college in his offense. But All anyway, right. continue. 
I mean, Claypool had 13 Interrupting touchdowns. Interrupting cow says what? 13 Dave, touchdown. Oh, Jesus. big deal. Um, so I think, you know, the tight end potential here makes Claypool worthy of just a late round dart throw to scoop up. They yeah. took him They took him in the second. They have some idea of what they want to do. The quarterback situation is devastating. They've got Ben, who's a mess. Clearly, it's dealing with a lot. They've got their backup, who's got half a skull after last year. And then they've got their third string guy, who they nicknamed the Duck, which can never be good if you're throwing a ball. So I think, you know, if, if they're going to get Claypool in with a second round pick, they have some kind of plan. They only have a brawn for, I think, this year. And he has never been somebody to gain a vote of confidence in fantasy. He might Except be worth for that a, one year where he was dominant in, in Indy. But yeah, continue. right. And, you know, he just happened to have a great quarterback. Like Ben Roethlisberger, but yeah, continue. Yeah, I'm, I'm supporting your arguments, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just bitter. Uh, I'm just bitter because you know, Sean. Before you continue, people have been with Chase Claypool. People have been speculating that Juju is not going to get a second contract, and I'm just no, bitter that people think that insane. Claypool can even mimic what Juju has done. And they're not even. They're not even remotely. Those the same are the same player, kind either. of people that think they can learn to fly by eating mercury. I think that you know. Claypool's worthy of a stash because the tight end position right now in fantasy is so void of any kind of depth that if you're playing in a tight end premium or a two tight end league, he's going to be worth something if he retains that eligibility. I I even think you're going to one tight end league that's worth it for me because the whole thing about it is, is like, if you're taking Claypool, you don't have to take him before the third round. And if you, if he's being taken before the third round, something of value is falling to you anyways, you know? So for me, like the possibility of the tight end eligibility, that's, that's enough for a third round consideration for me. The athletic profile is there. I don't think I need to talk about that more because you guys have been gushing about it. Um, but for me, like the landing spot's interesting because yeah, Pittsburgh has a great track record with developing wide receivers. No, but, they do not. Um, <laughs> they do not. <laughs> um, but besides that great track record with developing wide receivers, um, that's the problem is that they developed a lot of good wide receivers. There's question marks at that position, but the reason there's question mark is because they're all very good. You know, all three of those guys are really good. So Claypool has got to beat out some pretty talented players. So if he were to slide into the tight end spot, I'd be really excited. So for me, yeah, I would think about it in the third round. It's just a matter of like probably late third round, probably where I'm looking for him. And I'd be happy with that because you didn't really spend any capital to take a risk on a guy that if he does have that tight end eligibility, you didn't have to spend anything to figure out that position. And it's a position that you really, to me, for the most part, is kind of puntable if it's one tight end week anyways. So you you figure, you fill it in the end of a third round? Like, why not, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I'm not really high on Claypool. I kind of agree with Dave that he didn't really do enough in the college ranks uh, to really warrant the hype. But... At the same time, like, he put up enough in his last season and all the other pieces that we already talked about. You know, he's enough of a sleeper, like, dark throw at the end of a third for me. All right. Sean, where do you have Claypool? Claypool, for me, was down at 13. Uh, I I am at 13, too. I'm at 14. All right. You know what it is? It's because people are way too hyped about him. Oh, no, I totally agree. And I I just kind of, like, I – I tune that out and just kind of think about it from like a realistic standpoint for why I like him. And I, you know, and, and, and it's true, you know, Pittsburgh does develop wide receivers very well. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. 
So uh, in round two, uh, pick 57, the next guy off the board was Van Jefferson um, of former son, uh, son, no, former son, son of former Patriots, Sean Jefferson, uh, and he went to the Rams. Uh, Sean, how do you feel about him landing to a dumpster fire? I don't care. I think I think Jefferson's <laughs> like I don't know, pretty uninspiring college production. The Rams are a hot mess. I mean, talk about a team that wanted to do a lot, but it backed themselves into such a corner that all they could do was sit there and cry. They went full Andy Bernard, baby Wawa, and that was it. And I think if this offense has any keys to life, any keys to victory for 2020, it's not through Van Jefferson sliding in as their third receiver. Sure, he could fight off Josh Reynolds because in the last two years, Reynolds has really just been a plug-and-play guy. But this is a team that spent a second-round pick on Cam Akers this year, I'm assuming, to get him involved in the passing game because he's shown he can do that. They're probably trying to dial the clock back to 2017-2018 when they were good. They also spent a third-round pick on Daryl Henderson last year because they thought he was worth it, and they paid to keep Malcolm Brown in town because apparently he's worth it too. So I just think there's so much going on here that unless you're getting a top dog in this offense, you probably don't want any shares. But Jefferson, even if this offense gets back on track, it's going to get back on track through going back to their Sean McVay roots of heavy play action, heavy running back involvement, in the passing game, which is just going to leave Van Jefferson out in the cold. So, Dave, Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson, I didn't even write him down on the show sheet. That's what I think about Van Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that I actually want to add about Van Jefferson is, is that his dad was awesome on Madden 99 for the computer, the PC. He really I was. Enjoyed. I actually remember that. Yeah. He was, he was a great player. I loved how the number 84 looked at him in that old school Pats jersey. Van Jefferson, yeah, I've seen him go as late as the fourth round in draft picks. That's a great value for a second round NFL draft pick in the fourth round. So I under, yeah, if I if I'm getting him in the late third, early fourth, awesome. But I'm not spending premium draft capital on, on Van Jefferson. He, you know, he didn't produce at Ole Miss before he transferred to Florida, and I under he had some serious competition at times. But he just none of his metrics look good. None of his athletics looks good. And everything that people tell me is that oh, he's a great runner. He's a great technician. Okay, awesome. Does that going to separate? So he's oh, he's good at that. Is that going to separate? He, those skills couldn't separate him at the college level. Is that going to sub- separate him at the NFL level? Whatever. So, I mean, for me, the, the number one thing when I think of D- Van Jefferson is uh, people on tr- Twitter really trying to make Van Jefferson like a thing and happen. He was like a sweeper for a lot of people. And like every time I saw that and I like looked into it, I was like, why are you so high on him? You know what I mean? Because they love, Todd, people like, love route running. They love right. route running. I, I mean, I do too, but there needs to be something else with it. You know what I mean? Like some other reason to like it other than you run a nice route, you know? So for me, he went much higher in the draft than I expected. He is like a solid all-around wide receiver. He's nothing special. He went to an absolute dumpster fire. If he went to Pittsburgh, he would have developed better, but he didn't. He ended up with the Rams. So, I mean, they do still have two studs there, but, you know, Cook's weaving opens up some opportunities. I'm still not high on him. Like Dave said, if he's at the beginning of the fourth round and you're getting a wide receiver taken in the second round of the NFL draft, you should be elated. But if you're doing anything sooner than that, I, I don't understand why. So, um, 
Van Jefferson, he's my wide receiver 14. I'd be thrilled to get him in the beginning of the fourth round. Dave, where do you have him on your rankings? Goodness, I actually have to think about this one. I'll. All right, we'll come back to Dave. No, he's, no, he is my wide receiver 16. He's. I'm getting him at 312. Right. Um Sean, where'd you have him? About the same. All right, 16. All right, next. Round two, pick. Now that it gets exciting, this is a great... I'm excited right now before we even start this conversation. Round two, pick 59. Denzel Mims to the Succubus. <sighs> that, no, I'm not excited anymore. Thanks, Todd. Jets. Thank you. The Jets. All right. Well, of course we have to intro with that. All right, guys. I'm going to go first. I'm out. I'm just out. <laughs> I'm out. I, I love them. I'm out. Sean? I'm actually in. So I'm fighting against my own tide here. And as much as I hate Adam Gase, hate Adam Gase, hate Adam Gase, and he's a fantasy succubus, I think that... You're still a sucker. I'm not a sucker. I'm, oh, you're a sucker. I'm an unwilling believer. That's 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 a sin in him you know, for a sucker. I'm, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy who stays home on Sunday but still bows his head at a wedding. That's how I'm feeling about Denzel Mims. That's a sucker. That's a sucker? That's a sucker. Wow, Okay. I think, all right, well, to show how much of a sucker I am then, I think if Mims falls at end of the second, beginning of the third, I'm willing to scoop him up there. Just because as much as Adam Gase sucks, and as much as he sucks the life out of all of us and humanity in general, with his eye rolls and his pill popping on the sidelines, or not pill pop, but whatever he was hitting, the poppers that they used to snap people out of concussions on the sidelines, rips out our fantasy hearts and stomps all over them. There's nobody else there. You got Crowder and nobody behind him. And I think Mims profile is so much different than Crowder that Mims might be able to step in and carve something else out. Sure, the Jets aren't the Steelers and Adam Gase isn't Mike Tomlin and they're not this wide receiver factory, but... The Jets could still maybe find a way to make Mims work. I think Darnold is still holding on to some potential, despite Adam Gase's best efforts. And I think if you can nail him at the end of the second, beginning of the third, like I said, he could be a decent wide receiver three. I'm still out. Dave? I'm struggling. Who is the wide receiver that everyone's really excited about for the Dolphins under Adam Gaze? Oh, there it is. Leontay Carew. <laughs> I am having flashbacks to Leontay, Leontay Carew, majorly with, with with Mims. I I actually like Mims even saying that. You can't really oh, – he is a fantasy succubus. I just can't say that enough like Sean or and Todd. Actually, Todd more than Sean. But he – so the problem is with – Mims is besides Adam Gase and even the, their offensive line got a little better in the NFL draft. And I just I, let's look at Mims as a player. Later breakout age, but you can explain that away because he came into college a little bit later and he still broke out in his second season at Baylor. So I can explain the way the little bit later breakout age because of that. Unbelievable athlete. He's uh, size adjusted to that athleticism. Unbelievable. He he blew people away at the NFL Combine. And he's got great market share numbers. And, they, and to go along with that, he's got solid scrimmage yards and solid scrimmage touchdowns. He's one of those things where I'm very happy getting him in the beginning of the second round. That's just where I am. I'm, I, he, it's a, 
if he hits, he hits. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's tough to get excited about any New York Jet wide receiver. Yeah, that's pretty much the reason I'm out. Like, so if there are two teams I choose to avoid in fantasy, uh, it's the Jets and the Jets. So, um, yeah, this broke my heart. I, I was very high on Mims. He was a guy that I latched onto pretty early on when we started talking about uh, rookie wides. And he started climbing other people's boards, and, like, I was getting excited. And so another thing besides the landing thought that, like, really bothered me is, like, why did some of these other guys go over him? Like, like what happened? Like, like what was not attractive for Mims to be in those other landing spots? Like, Sean, would you have been more excited for Mims if he ended up in Pittsburgh? Like, well, yeah, would- I mean, we've already talked to death what they do for wide receivers there, but I think just... Yeah, I mean that's what the I'm saying. opportunity. But I mean, what if what if the Rams had taken him? You know, oh, and despite w- I, him being that pecking order, I, I mean, think I'm buying in a lot more on him than Van Jefferson. Well, that, to the moon, we're to the moon if he lands in the Rams. We're to the moon. No, I I'm absolutely loving it. You know what I mean? I mean, not loving it. I'm liking it better. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. You know what I mean? I'm just not buying into this. You know what I mean? Whatsoever, like. There's nobody on the Jets who I really want. I'm in. I, I took an Orford team, and Sam Darnold is my second quarterback. I'm like, God, I gotta ride this out until I can figure out how to get out of it. So, um, yeah, they I mean, in, and they invest in 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 offensive line. And the thing is, even though Gay he's sucks. Second, he's, Gay he does sucks. suck. He sucks, Gay but sucks. he for some random reason, his teams have a like a more wins than you'd always think they have. Yeah, and Sam Darnold isn't was a great. He was a very good QB prospect, extremely young coming in. There is some hope that a gunslinger could just zero in, because that's what Sam Darnold is. He's almost a Brett Favre s type of player. If he could zero in on Denzel Mims, there's a lot to hope for that he could just be the guy. Everyone, Todd, you and our buddy B said another shout out to B said. I know he's listening. Probably the only person again, but no, uh, Jared's listening. That's Jared's listening. That's true. Oh, shout out to Jared, too. Love how you're building your dynasty team, Jared. Anyway, uh, Mims used to be my kind of player. Athletic, has the market share. But the landing spot in gate, it, it really does matter. It, it just, he just pushed me to the back. There's going to be, people are still taking him to the end of the first round, and I'm out on that. I know you guys. Oh, that's terrible. Oh people my are doing goodness. it. People are doing that it. That is terrible. Oh, I want to be in that league. I like All it. Right. Yeah, I want to be in that league, too. Sign me yeah. up. Yeah. Um, all right, so I know I'm, like, trashing like I'm out. I do have him 11 just for the fact that, like, I really liked him before he landed in the worst possible place. So, I mean, I'm still going to take him over Hammer, who's buried. Claypool, I hope, gets to put in a different position. And Van Jefferson, who had no business going over him. But I don't like it at all. You know, in fact, if I pick it, I feel dirty. So, Sean, where'd you have Mims? I had him at nine. I don't feel great about it. I'm more nauseous than watching a hostile movie, but you're not authentic. I I want to believe, you know, Uh, I'm going full X files. I, I want to hate the landing spot, but just the lack of any semblance of a comprehensive wide receiver core there is giving me some glimmer of hope. Dave, I don't think I guess he's your nine. That's funny that you said that he's my wide receiver nine. I'm taking him at two Oh six, two Oh seven. And I'm probably not going to get him there. However, at wide receiver nine, if I was able to land him, I'd be excited at that price point. A guy with that kind of profile, even despite landing spot, there's a very good chance that Gase could be fired after oh. this year. 
and then everything's lucky. roses. But then saying that, then you still have to deal with Woody Johnson. So then, oh, that still sucks. But yeah, point being is, is that he's that good of a profile that I can I understand why people would. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> All right, round three, pick eighty-one. Brian Edwards goes to the Raiders. Dave, your guy ends up with rugs. How ironic. So, Dave, tell us about Edwards. Oh, man, do I want to talk to you about Brian Edwards? I am extremely excited about to talk about Brian Edwards. And, yes, your good point. Very interesting that he landed with Edward, He landed with rugs in Las Vegas. Get to that in a minute here. But what do I love about Brian Edwards so much? Well, age 17, bright age, first off. Check, 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 check. Love to see it. True freshman in the SEC at South Carolina. He broke out. Love to see him do well and show his true talent. Also, he had a decent amount of competition while he was at South Carolina. Four targets. He had to deal with Debo Samuel in his time there. And Brian Edwards still put up excellent, excellent market share numbers uh, and was relatively efficient uh, from a uh, from a scrimmage yards per team play point of view. And people ding him because of his low A dot in college. Well, there was not the best of QB play and they had to manufacture Edwards touches in the screen game because of the the lack of talent at the QB position. So I'm not really worried about his A dot. And oh, just wheels up for Brian Edwards. He's a great value in rookie drafts right now, going the mid second to the late second of Superflex rookie drafts. Oh man, love that value. Uh, he's actually my wide receiver eight technically, but I like him. I really do like him more than Ruggs. I like him more than Pittman. Uh, but I will take. I don't have to take him ahead of those guys. That's the best part about Brian Edwards. I can wait a little bit. I can trade back if I have to and target Brian Edwards. So give me some Brian Edwards market share check, age adjusted production check, athleticism check, great landing spot to compete with Henry Ruggs in Las Vegas. I, he could end up becoming the number one if Ruggs isn't the true unicorn that we think he is because Edwards on his own in his own right has shown that he can be an alpha wide receiver. <laughs> so um, it's funny that Dave brought up the point about him potentially being the one. I was going to ask that question. Like, is there a point? Well, assuming that Ruggs would be the number one wide receiver, great. based on the fact that they drafted him to be like that, uh, could he be better than Ruggs? I say there's a possibility that, yeah, that could happen. So that's where I like his landing spot from a value standpoint from where he's drafted. I like him in that offense, versatile athlete, dynamic player, played in an uninspired offense. The number one guy that Dave sold me on is Edwards. All right. I now I liked Edwards from the get-go. I have him on my heavy team. He was a guy that I was really high on. I wasn't as high as Dave on him because of the depth of the class. But once this landing spot happened and I heard Dave in my head, I was like, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And I have him at nine um, only because I just liked, I think he's a better player than Pittman. I just think that Pittman doesn't have as messy of a situation as Edwards does, even though it is also messy. Todd, I appreciate the kind words you just said. I that w- Those might be the nicest things you've ever said to me uh, about the things you said about what I said about Edwards. Uh, also too, Derek Carr has been known to be a dump off kind of guy. And Edwards is a little bit little, uh, a little bit, Lower A dot guy, close to the line of scrimmage, uh, screen guy, one of the highest screen targeted wide receivers coming out. I could see why Carr could build a rapport with Edwards too. Don't you mean Mariota? Oh yes, I set you up perfectly <laughs> for that. Oh yes, Tom. Sean. Um, while Dave goes takes off his pants, can you uh, finish Edwards up for us? Yeah, I like it. You know, Edwards was probably the first rookie that Dave and I really connected over in this class. We were like. It was like Michelangelo 
painted us touching fingers on that ceiling where we were just both like, yes, Brian Edwards, one of the better guys to come out who will go lower in this draft. And I think this is a crowded room. We already talked about that with Ruggs, but I think Brian Edwards can really fly high here. I think a lot of those guys don't profile the way he does. I think a lot of them can't really touch him. Tyrell Williams had all the opportunity in the world last year. He didn't do a ton with it. He got hurt. They can also bounce him after this year, which I think they're probably going to because they have so many guys on the cheap right now. They'd be crazy not to. I think there is a real world where, you know, from a fantasy points standpoint, he might not be the number one receiver on that team, but his volume that he's going to get, like Dave said, with the the lower A dot, with Derek Carr looking to dump the ball off because, as we saw two years ago, he gets creamed so much he starts crying on the field. He's going to be looking to get rid of that ball quickly. Edwards really has a chance to pick up a ton of targets and a ton of volume in production here. And I think he really could be fantastic. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on him, and you could slide in and pick him up. So do you have him as your wide receiver 11, I'm guessing? Wide receiver I do. 11? Can I ask you a question then? You can. Because you Maybe. actually just gave a – what's happening regardless if you like it or not. So you, have, you actually gave a really – nice positive outlook on him but he's 11 like you got a guy in the succubus and Ayuk at 10 like do you really you wouldn't take you would take those two guys over Edwards I struggled with him and Ayuk I would take Mims just because there's nobody standing in his way that's fair you know I don't like I, I'll take every chance I have to shot from the rooftops I don't believe in Gase I don't believe in his system I think if you go through as many players in the NFL as he has and your system doesn't work for them, but they work elsewhere, odds are it's something wrong with your system. That's like looking at everybody else and saying in the room and saying, they must be the dumb ones. Like, yeah. No, if you can't find the idiot in the room, you're the idiot. I like it. So, so yeah, I wrestled with him or Ayuk at 10. I, just, I put Ayuk there because of the draft capital and... I think he has a less complicated path to production. I think Edwards will eventually rise to the top of that, but Ayuk has the immediate return. Do you like his landing spot? Yeah, I do. What is there somewhere you think you'd rather have had him? Um, I think I'd, well, I still like him on the Raiders, but I think I would have liked the Raiders to have not done as much. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, you know, right. I think maybe or actually no, I'm gonna take it back. Him on the Ravens because we're about to go to the Ravens. I'd I'd love him. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that. All right, so round three, pick ninety two, Devin Duvernay goes to the Ravens. So um, I'll start this one off. Uh, I kind of like it. Uh, it seems like a great fit as a slot gadget kind of a guy. Um, I traded the four twelve in a future fourth to trade up to four oh three to get him, and I was ecstatic to get him there. Uh, I love the value there. He's a guy who, I think he was second or third in the NCAA in, in receptions. So he's a guy that saw a lot of a lot of a lot of work last year. Uh, phenomenal athlete. He's the kind of the guy where like you hear about all this speed and athleticism. He's a guy who gets lost in that conversation. Who's just as fast as the majority of the guys in this class. So I really like where he landed for there because of. Just there's opportunity there. It's not exactly a, a pass-heavy offense, but it is a, a, an offense that's somewhat balanced, you know? So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I like at the end of the third round if he's there. And then I'm like, you know, he's a good stash. For me, I'm not looking to 
like rely him in 2020 whatsoever. But he's a good stash, and if something happens in 2020, I'll consider it a bonus. So, Dave, Duvernay. Duvernay, track, star. Uh, te- he went to Texas. You know, he didn't really explode until his final season. That can be explained away by poor QB play at Texas for a lot of times. Uh, but boy, did he bigger... explode. Say that again? But boy, did he explode. Yes, he did. And there. he's a bigger, splot, uh, a bigger slot guy. So that he prototypes to a great NFL player. He really fits that Ravens offense very well. The only problem is, is that what what weapon is he on that offense? I don't it's tough to get excited for him. Uh and, and they'd only threw like what 460 times last year. Even if you know, even if Lamar Jackson keeps continuing as a passer, it's tough to get excited. Uh I understand why people like Duvernay. He's a you know, he's a great he can even stretch the field from the slot. Great after the catch. Yeah. So I, I just it's tough to get inspired about J- Duvernay there. I I'd rather at that position I'd rather gamble at wide receiver or at running backs than wide receiver because a lot of the talent is already picked over at that point. I mean the other reason why I like him in that landing spot today is because you don't really know what kind of weapon he is. He's the kind of guy that like I don't really see they have the guy that's going to work the middle of the field, you know. And he's the kind of guy that I really like being that specialist working the middle of the field. Um, I mean, I, I'm not saying he plays like Welker, but that's the kind of like player that pops oh, in. I don't my head. see. He's more of a stretch guy than Welker. And is it crazy for me to say that James Prochet beats out Duvernay? Is that insane? No, is not that insane, insane at all? Not so insane at prob- all. That's the problem. That's the problem. I really like. I really like him as a as a priority pickup. If you are if you're a five if you're in a four round rookie draft, he that is a priority free agent pickup. All right. And I really hate that you just brought that up before we have our draft. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, but DuVernay is, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you're also, I'm not talking about a big investment. If you're, the, it's a boom bust, man. That's what any late third, early fourth is. But I'm just saying, like, the production, the athleticism, and the role are all there for him. I just don't know if it's there in 2020. And if it doesn't land there, I didn't really spend a lot of draft capital to go on a guy that I that I really like his profile. Sean, Duvernay? Yeah, I think he could be a sneaky play towards the end of the drafts. I think, you know, he can if he can slide in and work underneath, obviously Marquise Brown and his limited availability last year showed what he can do as a field stretcher. I mean, that Miami game was insane to watch. Andrews is obviously going to account for a huge part of that offense, but – Beyond the two of them, there's really nobody else. You know, we talked about it on the running back show. This isn't a team that uses them really in the passing role, and that's because of Jackson and his ability to roll out and just tuck and go. But I think whether it's Prochet, whether it's Duvernay, I think it'd probably be Duvernay over Prochet. Also, two of the slickest names to say back-to-back as I do that out loud. <laughs> Duvernay can come out. He can be the guy. I think he can kind of become that safety valve for Jackson that running backs typically are for other less mobile quarterbacks. You know, as he rolls out, he starts to draw in the cornerback, the linebacker who's out there kind of policing the flats a little bit. Duvernay can separate as they come in, and he can really eat up that five, six yards that, you know, people are relying on the running backs for. So I think he's worth a pickup. He's worth a look. Um, Because at that point, it's all dart throws, and I think some of the other dart throws you'd be looking at have a lot more complicated paths to production than Duvernay would. 
Yeah, I agree. So um, I had I actually put him at my wide receiver fourteen because I just noticed I put Van Jefferson over him, and I'm I'm appalled by myself. So um, <laughs> uh, Duvernay just jumped him now in real time. So congratulations, Duvernay. I give you respect over a guy who had no business being ahead of you. Uh, so I have him fourteen. Guys, where do you have Duvernay? Wide receiver fifteen. Todd, I agree. He's right ahead of Jefferson for me. Uh, so shockingly, I'll even take Claypool ahead of Duvernay. Ooh, and that's where I stopped. Still ahead of Jefferson by a fortnight, but in front of Claypool. I had Duvernay at 12. What did you have Claypool at? 13. So yeah, Duvernay at 12. I like it. All right. Um, Yeah. All right. So that rounds up the three. So I'm going to fill this in. So uh, for my 16th, I had uh, Gandy Golden. In my 17th, I had Tyler Johnson. So, Dave, I see 13's open for you. Who do you have at 13? That is Antonio Gandy-Golden. There's a, that's a pretty juicy landing spot. There's not a lot of target competition in Washington. I really like Antonio Gandy-Golden. A couple guys we didn't talk about. Quez Watkins for Philly. I think he could be better than uh, Jonathan Hightower's draft ahead of him. I is really that, like. Is what, that your 17? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He comes right after Van Jefferson. I'm, I really like Quez Watkins. He's a great pick in the fourth round if you need wide receiver. And then it goes Tyler Johnson. And then Gabby Davis, who's tough to get excited about in Buffalo. All right. So, Sean, I see 14 and 15 open for you. Yeah, I had, um, I had Hightower in there. Uh, obviously, Dave's higher on Watkins, which is fine. I think that's. That's fine. I don't really have a problem with that. I think I'd throw the dart at Hightower uh, just because of his size. You know, that's something that the way that offense is looking, they can't really get enough of despite the fact that they already have it. You know, I think they're, they've been so efficient last year that they're just looking for as many big bodies that they can get the ball to. Um, but beyond that, just as other some other dart throws, I really kind of liked Quintez Cephas, the Lions. You know, he's all right. He pro- he profiles okay. You know, there's some to be desired there. Uh, but that whole Lions core is gone after this year. I mean, odds are they extend Kenny G, but that still leaves a ton of volume. I can't imagine they bring back Jones at his age with his injury history. Amendola at some point is just going to turn to dust and blow away and go full Sandman from Spider-Man 3. But he could be a sneaky guy to come in and really steal a lot of targets for 2021. And then um, Mooney to the bears. I liked a lot. He kind of struck yeah. me as like a poor like man's Mooney. Michael Gallup. He's just, he, he fills that Taylor Gabriel role. That's what yeah, he does. Right. I mean, they, you know, they don't really have Allen Robinson is a monster and just feels perpetually overlooked. Anthony Miller flashes, but who knows? Um, so, you know, Jimmy Graham hasn't been a thing for years. And fun fact, if you Google, Graham stats. He's not even the first Graham that pops up. <laughs> that's that's atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy but, Graham. People forget, especially like newer fantasy players, might forget how dominant he was in his was day. was is the operative tense. Here. Yeah, and I think for Darnell Mooney coming in and going to the Bears, you know that pass to the wide receiver three role being pretty wide open is good. You might worry about Foles, but they're going to probably have a new quarterback next year anyway. And this is a kid who probably would have been in a bigger program, but bad test scores. 
kept him out, which was kind of like the poor man's Michael Gallup concert. Because I remember going back and forth with Dave, and that was how Gallup ended up at Colorado State. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah. I was high on I was high on Gallup. Yeah, yeah. And, and I will say, Todd, for the record, I I uh, mess with Jay Powell a lot, and I crap a lot on his teams. There, I just said something very positive about Jimmy Graham, just for Jay Powell. Okay. There you go. So. The only guy that hasn't been named that I have rounding out my top twenty is I actually had Joe Reed at twenty. Um, I the only read the only reason I even like him there is the fact that there's not really a lot of competition wide receiver three there, and that's a much improved offense. I like Tyrod Taylor more than most, and then you got a new QB coming in that was you know they spent high capital and Herbert you know improved the line. Um, so yeah, I mean it's the twentieth rookie wide receiver. So, yeah, that's where I had him. So, all right. So, that was a deep dive into the wide receivers. I hope we gave you guys some things to think about. So, uh, Dave, why don't you tell the people where you can find you? You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. Uh, check me, uh, check out my pinned tweet for my college prospect database. I have some interesting topics coming out around the rookie draft and also uh, just in general over at DFF Dynasty. Uh, again, I mentioned the last episode, but check out Sean and I's wide receiver rapid reactions. They have really a lot of information there. And yeah, just, I really, I really enjoy interacting with everyone. Please hit me up if you have any suggestions for the show. Uh, hit up at a tale of two rivals on Twitter or email us. And we don't say this very often, but we've given a lot of positive reviews via Twitter and, tw- and text. Please, you know, don't feel free to give us a rating and review on iTunes. That means a lot for us. So, oh, thanks, absolutely. Guys. Good call. Uh, Kenny, tell me where they find you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at FF underscore Walrus. If I ever figure out how to actually pin a tweet, I might put something up there. Don't get excited. It'll probably be a lot less overwhelming than Dave's rookie database, which is insanely comprehensive. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's an understatement. Yeah, appreciate yeah. any positive feedback, any reaches out on Twitter. If you want to date, you want to banter. Guys, can I say something too? Sean and Todd, I, I know we have a, we have a decent amount of listeners recently for the podcast. Todd and Sean are excellent guys to talk fancy with. Their their knowledge as far as how to navigate a fantasy team and what, how to find an edge, they're great giving advice. They're great fantasy football players. They're underfollowed on Twitter. Reach out to them. They're great guys and they have great advice. So please do that. And and just thanks for listening to us at a table. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, if you're looking for me, I'm at FF underscore Banterman. And um, I'm just going to leave it on that. That was really that was really touching, dude. All right, everybody. We'll be back for our next show. Probably uh, dive into QBs and tight ends out of the rookies. And uh, until then, happy drafting. As the music cues, I, I obviously I got too emotional as the cider hit me. So I apologize. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good, Dave. You know, it hit me right in the heart, buddy. <laughs> All right. So, is that it? Is that a wrap?